This is Redefining the Counterculture on Witten Radio. Make sure to check out our website at wittenradio.com. When you think back to the great leaders, MLK, Malcolm X, that was what they did. They went into the community, rebuilt hope, and helped people identify their community leaders. We can get information from the internet and all this type of stuff, but we've got to really get face-to-face. I think we sometimes forget that that's how change started. The Punisher, a firearm-wielding vigilante, was pulled from New York Comic Con by Marvel and Netflix, something Steve Harsh, who's been attending for years, understands. I do kind of agree with that, out of respect for the victims and for the situation. But another attendee, Leo Lawrence, says the Punisher didn't cause the Vegas shooting. That's only punishing the, the fans. And it's only letting the idiot that did it win. Punisher or not, security here is tight with the NYPD's heavily armed anti-terrorism unit standing guard. At the Jacob Javits Convention Center in Manhattan, I'm Julie Walker. the opposite of what the saying is. Divided. We are not enough.
Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Redefining the Counterculture right here on Witten Radio. Today we are joined by Devin Dobson. Uh, Devin is a is an actor, he's an author, a motivational speaker, and so much more. We're talking with Devin today uh, a little bit about his journey uh, as an author and as, a, as an actor. And Devin, just thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, you and I, we, we know each other. Uh, we grew up together. Um, and, you know, I know you growing up as the scholar athlete. You know, you played uh, football in high school. Um, you, you know, you were um, a scholar. And um, you excelled both academically uh, and on the playing field. Um, I was wondering what motivated you to pursue um, other ventures, because I know that you have since written a book and uh, you're also an actor. Yeah, so um, it's interesting, man, because, um, you know, being from South Florida, uh, performance has really been a, a part of my existence since I was, you know, four years old, singing in, you know, Mount Olive Baptist Church Choir down in South Florida in Delray. Um, I've been performing uh, throughout my entire life in some capacity. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I was in middle school, uh, singing in the choir kind of changed to me doing musicals. And that's really where I found my true passion in acting. Um, so it's, it's actually the opposite. I didn't start uh, playing football until I was in high school. Um, and, you know, I ran track in middle school. But, you know, really from a competitive standpoint, I've been performing a lot longer than I've been, uh, than I've been an athlete. Uh, but even with that said, uh, it was uh, a, a unique opportunity to, to do both. And, you know, even though I didn't start playing football until high school, um, I was still able to get, you know, a scholarship uh, to go play, you know, Division One ball. So uh, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I've always had uh, this multifaceted interest. And uh, even when I was playing as, as a Division One, you know, college athlete, I, I still did plays every offseason, you know, when we were out of season. So it, it really is uh, a joint a joint part. Of uh, of me and what I do, so it, it's kind of it's kind of always been there. But um, you know, I, I think that uh, more recently, as as I got older, I just found different avenues to to be able to perform once once my uh, football career was over. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I love uh, I love just uh, rehearing your story. Yeah, because I you know I went to high school with you, but I, I don't think we knew each other in middle school. And so that was uh, some insight there that I definitely didn't know. And it, it makes complete sense uh, when you think about it, um, you know, just with your skill set and everything. Um, how did you enjoy playing Division One ball? I know that, um, you know, I wrestled in high school, you played football, and I know that there were a lot of um, fellow classmates that we had that wanted to go on and to, to play, especially in, in you know, D1. Um, but they just didn't have the grades or, you know, just circumstances wouldn't allow. Um, did you enjoy your time? Um, I, I believe you played for Lehigh, correct? Correct. No, it was, it was fantastic. Um, it was a, a great opportunity to um, to get out of South Florida. I mean, I've you know, been there 18 years of my life at that point, my entire life. And so it was nice to, you know, kind of get away from home. You know, it really forced me to grow up pretty quickly. And, um, you know, being a Division One athlete, you know, you, you get all of the, the, per, the perks, if you will, uh, of being on the, in a very visible state. But it also gives you a lot of discipline. And so where a lot of my classmates, um, you know, I went to a school 
at Lehigh where, you know, in some years we were in the top, you know, five of party schools in the country. You know, when you're when you're a Division One athlete, you, you have a second job. And, you know, after, oh, yeah. after academics, your, your job is to do well in your sport. So, you know, it definitely kept me disciplined, kept me out of a lot of trouble, I'm sure. Um, you know, didn't get caught up in the long crowd. They didn't have a whole lot of idle time. So um, it was it was a fantastic experience for me. And you know, some of my best friends, you know, to this day are are guys that you know I built relationships with on on the gridiron. So uh, it worked out really well. I love it. I love it. Um, I want to take a brief detour, um, and I want to talk about um, your best selling book. Uh, you wrote a a, a book. Um, you know, that details your three car accidents in three years that, you know, almost claimed your life um, each time. Um, tell me, like, what the writing process was, was like for you with these books, because I know essentially writing them must have, you know, opened up some old wounds or emotions um, or just even fears reliving the accident. Uh, why did you feel so compelled to tell the story? Well, first of all, I can't take credit for writing the book um, or the success it has. I mean, it, it really has been God's plan for my life manifested. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate. My book has been uh, acknowledged by Joyce Meyer and Tavis Smiley and Tom Joyner and Bishop T.D. Jakes and some other folks, and that's not me. You know, that that's God. Um, there, there was no way that I would have even imagined that I would have something to document this young in my life uh, about, you know, the, the, just the different ways in which he has covered me. And I had no intention of writing a book. So, you know, let's get that out of the way. This is, this is definitely God's work. Um, I, I think for me, it was really therapeutic um, because, you know, when you're in it, you don't really realize what's going on. Um, it, it, hadn't, it hadn't really hit me that, um, you know, I survived your car accidents, you know, especially because the first two I really attributed to me uh, personally moving too fast or not paying attention or what have you. Um, but, you know, it just started a couple of conversations with my pastor. And, you know, as we were going through the lessons that I could learn, uh, I started to research in the Bible and I found, you know, other well-known stories that, you know, paralleled some of the lessons that I learned. And, you know, I could almost say it was just like a download. I, I just really just, I mean, the book itself I probably wrote within a month or two, um, and then oh. I spent. Yeah, it didn't take a while. I mean, it was it's my story, you know. Um, but um, I think the 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 more difficult part was then going back, editing, rewriting, you know, making sure everything was right grammatically, uh, and then making the decision to say, hey, you know, instead of this just being, you know, more of a uh, of a journal entry, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually turn it into a into a real publication. Um, and then, you know, there's one thing that you mentioned, I think more importantly than anything, uh, I couldn't be afraid of what was, uh, what I was going through in this journey of facing it because, you know, fear is not of God. You know, anytime you see fear, you, you know that the enemy is present. So part of writing the book and, and sharing the story was really proclaiming the victory over the devil uh, because, you know, ultimately it, it's a war crime. And my book's entitled The Devil Can't Kill Me. And, and then it's a reminder that, you know, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died. He came back and he broke the curse of death. He came back with all power over death. And, uh, and we have that same Holy Spirit inside of us. So we really have nothing to fear. And I think that 
you know, ultimately that's what God wanted me to do was to, to really just share a very real, relatable testimony uh, of someone who, who could have been, you know, uh, perished multiple times, uh, but, but is still here, and, and you know, I, and I have the obligation to share that with other believers. Absolutely, absolutely. I love your testimony, and um, like you said, it, it definitely, you know, it is a declaration that, you know, you know, a testimony that, you know, the devil can't kill you. He can't fuck you out because, you know, it's just not your time, um, or it wasn't your time. Tell me a little bit about just your relationship with Jesus Christ, because I know that you've always been pretty open and honest um, about your relationship with the Lord. Um, when did it, I guess, go from uh, being, I guess, knowing about Jesus to actually having an intimate relationship with him? So it's interesting because, um, I mean, my entire life I've been covered by God, uh, and it's kind of forced me to, to be at different levels of that relationship. Even since childhood, I mean, I was I was born into, you know, Carver State's project building in Delray Beach. Um, I was born to a schizophrenic mother, uh, did not know who my biological father was. So, you know, obviously there was a, there was a, a spiritual plan, even if there wasn't an earthly plan for my existence. And then my sister, who's only 10 months younger than me, we were both adopted um, by blood, my aunt and uncle, but, you know, my family that raised me, my, my mom and dad, you know, they adopted us when I was about 18 months old. So, you know, just being a, a young person, you know, and I mean four, five, six years old, um, when people would tell me the story of my existence, I knew there was God there. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, um, as I got more involved in the church and the community, I was able to build, you know, more of a relationship for myself. But in terms of, um, you know, me being able to truly trust him, you know, I realized that at every point in my life there are critical, you know, pivots in your life, right, you know, where you have this plan. And you say to yourself, you know, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how it's going to work, and, you know, this is what it's going to be like. And for me, every time I got to a critical point like that in my life, um, God would step in and say, you know, that's nice, but I got something better for you over here. And he, and he did it in big ways, and he did it in small ways to the point where it, it just it, it almost felt – I felt uncomfortable making a decision without having, you know, the, the absolute presence of God in it because I knew that if I did something that was contrary to what he wanted me to do, it wasn't going to turn out the way I wanted to anyway. Um, so, you know, a couple simple examples is, you know, when I was looking to go to college, I had a full academic scholarship through uh, Bright Futures. Um, I had no intention of playing football. I had no intention of leaving the state. I had already got accepted to Florida State with 100% tuition covered, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And, you know, here it is, the end of football season, last two weeks of recruiting, you know, I, I find myself being, you know, engaged in conversations with, you know, a Division One program in, in Pennsylvania. And there's no way I could have even dreamed that. Uh, and then the same thing, you know, I get, I get to school and, you know, you do the – community service, joined a fraternity, all that stuff. I thought I was going to graduate and, and have this uh, advertising job when I graduated. And frat brother called me up and said, you know, what do you do when you graduate? And I said, I'm going to go work for this company I interned with. And he says, no, no, you're going to be a pharmaceutical rep in New York City. And, and I'm like, what? 
And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you, you want to be an actor, right? Well, you got to go to New York if you want to do that. You don't, you don't want to make no money. You're, you graduated from a good school. Why don't we get you an interview and, and set it up? And, and I was hired within two weeks, you know. And, and then I get to New York. I don't, I don't know, how to, you know where I'm going to get a job. You know, uh, one, one of my capital brothers, you know, is a real estate agent finds me an apartment better than the one that I was looking at online, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So it's like um, once you realize uh, that that little voice in your head that is guiding you is the Lord, then you can trust it. And once you can trust it, I mean, you can truly allow him to, to move in your life, and, and, and especially when it comes to these car accidents. I mean, I have such a different appreciation for every single day um, and, and I really do. I wake up and I think to myself, okay, how do you want to use me today, God? Because I'm here. And if I'm here, you know, I have purpose. And so um, I, I think that, you know, at some point in everyone's walk, they come to a place or a crossroads where they realize they could not move further without the Lord. And um, sometimes it happens sooner, sometimes it happens later. Uh, for me, just just based on the nature of my existence, I was aware that he had, you know, a covering over me, and, and, and that's just kind of how I've operated since. I love it, man. I love it. That, uh, yeah, I mean, he has a way of just lining out our lives better than we could ever imagine. I mean, our minds as humans, I mean, the frailty of human life, you know, it it also shows like in our thought patterns and, you know, the smartest person in the world still can't contend with God, you know? And I, I love that. I mean, that's such a powerful story that you have. Um, so I, I know that you're, I want to jump ahead. I know that you're the co-founder of Source Connect International. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the company and what led to its creation. Sure. So, you know, I'm in New York. I'm a, I'm a pharmaceutical rep for a top company. Uh, my, my coworker and I are, are doing incredibly well, you know, in the top five on the East Coast. And uh, we got a wake-up call one day, quite literally. Uh, we got a phone call, and we got laid off with 7,000 people and one phone call. And um, it, it was a complete wipeout of the division. And... Um, yeah, I mean, the rug was pulled from underneath us. You know, here I am. You know, I'd never been on a plane. I have been on a plane one time before coming to college. I moved to New York City. I have no family. I've got, you know, you know, a handful of frat brothers, one set of cousins, and, you know, now I don't have a job. And I think for us, you know, it was just kind of a, a tale of the times, if you will, you know, realizing that the days of working for someone else, for 30, 40 years and then retiring, you know, down in Florida, right? Um, it, those days just don't exist anymore. Yeah, and, so, um, and so, yeah, so we, we got laid off. And uh, Elizabeth, who was, you know, then my coworker, is, is now my wife, you know, we decided that it would be in our best interest to have another income stream. And so when we founded Source Connect International, uh, it was just, it was really centered around this concept of, of developing, you know, human capital. You know, we believe that the most valuable asset on earth, on earth is, is human capital and being able to develop people and their dreams and their passions and their companies and their ideas. Uh, and so that's what it was about. You know, we were networkers. We would go to an event and 
I mean, she's a very attractive woman, and I'm a you know low, you know, good-looking guy. We we go to an event, start on one corner of the room, and by the end of the night, we met anybody worth meeting, uh, and found ways to connect. Uh, you know, the different business acumen that was in the room. So it was something that we were kind of already doing, and, and then we just kind of put it together. And um, what's also interesting, though, is because we were performers. You know, I was a performer. I also was able to use my company to help me self-publish my book, uh, to do what I needed to do from a production standpoint. So, So the unique thing is that, while yes, we we do work with you know nonprofit organizations and churches and individuals and show them how they can maximize their potential, uh, you know both from a, a resources standpoint financially as well as personally. We then have this other you know like auxiliary portion that's focused on you know performance, and it's really started with my book. But you know I'm sure that you know there'll be other written works and producing and, and all of that stuff that will come through Source Connect International. And then the last piece is that it does have a double meaning. You know, we came up with the name because, you know, quite literally we felt that, you know, God is the source uh, of all the strength. We, we felt that Christ is his connection, our connection to his throne, and that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. It, it's all over the world. It's international. So uh, we try to embody uh, those those things as we operate as a company and and that's how we came up with Source Connect International. I love it. I love it. That's man. That's a powerful testimony. And um, you know something else came out of it. You actually touched on this, but you were able to to, to meet your wife. So I mean that's that's really cool. I mean it's everything came full circle. You know God is uh, was and is truly your source and your supply. So. I love that. Um, what's the biggest takeaway that you want people to get from the work that you've done and the work that you're doing? Because I know that um, you have a powerful story, and um, you know it's still being written daily. Um, when people look at your life, um, you know what, what's the biggest takeaway that you want them to get from it? Um, I'd really have to say that. Um... You know, Philippians 4.13 pretty much sums it up, and it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, we all know the scripture. I mean, there's people who are not even of the faith who know, who've heard that phrase, but how many of us actually live like we can accomplish anything, all things, through Christ? And And so for me, I have this insatiable desire to succeed and to excel and to let his light shine through me, um, I'm really trying to put that scripture to, to the test. You know, when I die, I want, you know, God willing to have so many different things that I've done with so many titles attached to them that when I do pass away, hopefully my life can just be an example of not allowing one thing to define you. I think too often, um, you, you know, you, you get into a, a career or a profession or an industry and you, you try to get to the to the top of whatever that is, and, and that's what defines you. It's just that. And, you know, if you really look at the scripture, you can do anything. You can do all things that are guided. And so for me, you know, I want to be able to, to, you know, to have impact, um, you know, from individuals from a community standpoint, I want to make sure that we can 
continue to build the right type of uh, ecosystem within, you know, different cultural centers around the world. I want to make sure that, you know, we can positively affect the educational system in this country, uh, social justice, in addition to performance. Um, So, I mean, for me, there is no one thing. There is no one list. It's all of it. And it really does uh, allow for, for, you know, my life, my wife's life, my children to, to be examples of, you know, here's what's possible if you truly allow God to lead you. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, with God, um, you know, your life really truly becomes limitless, you know, and then we're blessed with eternal life uh, after this life. So, I mean, um, forget who says it, but um, uh, I think it, it's in, it may be in Psalms where it says, oh, take and see that the Lord is good. You know, that's a true statement, you know, because God is better than any of us could ever be to anyone. And, um, you know, just hearing and seeing people's testimonies, such as your own, it really just really reaffirms God's might and his power. And, um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're right, though. It's, um, I mean, so many people hesitate. You know, and it's it's like go for it, build it, create it. You know, if God's inspired you to do it, do it and do it to the best of your ability. And um, you know, ultimately, we want to be around to try and help as many people get that done in whatever way they can. So, uh, I definitely agree. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to jump ahead just a little bit. Um, you are uh, actually um, coming up. Uh, I think April seventh, you'll be. Um, in HBO's premiere of the um, uh, movie Paterno. And uh, this is a, I mean, this is a, a film um, that is historical, uh, based on true story, that, um, you know, our lifetime, our generation um, lived. You know, we, we, right. we were alive when we saw these headlines. Um, what prompted you to, I guess, to, to try out for the role or to pursue the role? And what was it like working on it? Well, first of all, it's Al Pacino. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's enough said. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the Godfather, you know, Scarface. You know, who who wouldn't want to be rolling down Carlito's way, you know, talking about the sin of a woman on any given Sunday without Pacino? You know, just, just to name a couple. So, you know, that 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 in and of itself made it intriguing and then you know secondarily it's it's college football it's a part of my life it's a it's a part of something that you know changed my trajectory and so it was a no-brainer it was a a very uh compelling you know opportunity and it was worth it to you know put some other things on hold to just even audition and be a part of it um because you know i've done gigs here or there throughout my career but you know, this is something that that really, really spoke to me. So I, I was, you know, very fortunate to uh, to not just audition to hear about it, but also to then get cast and ultimately be a part of the project. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, working with Al Pacino, that's I mean, that's a huge deal. I mean, he's done so much. He's really probably the most iconic actor of our lifetime. Um, in terms of preparing for the role, um, how did you prepare, I guess, mentally? Because it's such a heavy subject, um, but the subject matter of the film, um, you know, I'm sure most of it's a biopic, but 
there is, you know, the, the portion that deals with, you know, the latter half of his, his coaching career and his life. Um, sure. Did you find that you had to um, prepare yourself mentally for, I guess, the, the seriousness uh, or the weight of the role? Um, you know, I would say that, I mean, well, I guess the first thing is it, it, it is a production. And, you know, I was a double major in theater uh, for my institution. So, you know, I am classically trained. So there's, you know, certain professional techniques that you go through for any role, right? Um, I think that for me, I had to continually just remind myself that, you know, we're storytelling. And, you know, ultimately, this is to the benefit of, you know, the victims and their families and the institution that serves as a warning for um, other institutions, and we've since heard, I mean, just look at what happened with Larry Nasser and Michigan right. State. Um, you know, there, there are other uh, examples of this. And the one thing about history is that if you don't document it properly, if you don't tell the story, both good and bad, then history is doomed to repeat itself. And so if nothing else, capturing the essence of this should – uh, serve as a warning for other generations and other institutions about what can happen when um, when people are in positions of power and they feel like they can't be uh, they can't be put in check. So for me, I looked at it just like it was any other uh, you know historical document. If you did something about the civil rights movement or the women's movement or the Holocaust or any of the other you know very challenging topics, it's factual. And, you know, if you remind yourself that, you know, this, this is, you know, we're not making this up, this happened, uh, right. it definitely helps you to kind of put yourself in the right mindset uh, to be a part of the project. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, what did you enjoy most about the role? I mean, I know that it wasn't all like doom and gloom. Um, and a lot of times, like, actors, uh, they'll have um, – you know, those fond moments that they, you know, enjoyed about being on set and just working with their, their cast and crew. Um, was there, I guess, a story or an incident that um, really just made um, the, the the role, I guess, exciting for you or memorable? Well, I, again, I think that, um, you know, be, being on set with Alpacino was, was amazing. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's such a, a gifted actor you know, few few of uh, few people are able, as you mentioned before, to be in the presence of you know what you would consider a legend in any industry. And so, being on set, uh, there's, a, there's actually a couple of uh, specific scenes where I play one of the defensive uh, assistant coaches, and there's a couple of coaching scenes where I mean we're literally you know sitting at the table with them in a room with them and whatnot, and in between takes he's cracking jokes and stuff like that. I mean, th those experiences are, you know, you cherish those for a lifetime. Um, so I'd have to say that. But I think the other thing is, you know, one of the reasons why I've been as selective as I have been with um, the type of acting roles that I take is because when, when you think about what traditionally is cast for an African-American male, um, not all of those roles are positive ones. And so I think the other thing that I really appreciated was that because this is my first, you know, actual TV project, being cast in a role that is of a positive nature um, allows me the opportunity to have that be a reference point 
for other future roles that are similar. And so it was a, it was kind of a unique way to kind of get in that niche, uh, get into that lane, so that as people start to see more and more of my work, they can they can see that as a as a trend, and and hopefully I can get cast in future roles that are that are similar and even better. I love it. That's some, that's a good um, um, rule of thumb to have as well, Devin, because I know that um, in addition to being a husband, um, you know, you're also a devoted father, and um, yeah, you know, that kind of uh, goes hand in hand with like your legacy, you know, and just you wanting to leave an inheritance for your your children, something that they can be proud of. So I, I like your your mindset. That's that's really really good. Um, Tell me, so having played having played college football yourself, um, you know, I'm sure there's a there's a certain culture that comes along with it. Um, do you think that this film accurate, accurately reflects the culture of college football, or do you think that this would just you know count as like an isolated incident or set of incidents that happened at Penn State? I think I think that um, it's a, it's a combination. You know, because football is America's sport. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, and there are certain areas of the country where, you know, a big name college football town, you know, literally drives the economy of that region. So, you know, in Penn State, Happy Valley is no different. Um, it's actually a good example of how that can happen. So I think that the film does touch on that, but it really, it really touches more on what happened with Paterno. And, and it, you know, the interesting thing is they don't really tell you, and without any spoilers, um, it, it really is up to the viewer to decide, you know, what, what side of history they're on as they're watching it because the way that it's, you know, that it's filmed, um, we, don't leave, we don't leave with any conclusions that are drawn by, by the cast or the director, or, you know, or uh, Pacino himself. You know, it really is more of a, what would you do if you were in that situation? How do you think mm-hmm. you would respond? Um, you know, and so I think that what it will do is it will force people to think about it. And that's the point. You know, that's the point is that, you know, you don't just elevate people to demigod status and allow them to do things. And we've seen, you know, many examples of that, both in media and in the entertainment industry over the last couple of years with, you know, the, the Me Too movement and, you know, certain individuals being, you know, cast out of the industry. And then even, as I mentioned, with, you know, what's going on with, you know, with Larry Nassar, I can only imagine what the documentary is going to be like for that because there are, right. you know, multitudes more uh, victims in that case. So I think that it, it does, you know, shed a light on the culture but it really allows the viewer to, to kind of figure out where they stand uh, on the issue and, and, and more importantly, what they're going to do to combat it because, you know, he's a legend. He is the most winningest coach in college football history. And um, I think that, you know, unfortunately this, this one element is, is going to be a part of his legacy as well. But, you know, now so you're saying, yeah, he's the most winning, winningest coach in, um, in college football history. Yeah, so this is a part of uh, his legacy, uh, you know, good, bad, or ugly. It, it's a part of it, and and it really forces you to, as a viewer, to think about, you know, where do you stand uh, on this culture, and you know, how how can you do something to make sure that it doesn't continue, and 
uh, you know, ultimately when you when you elevate someone to the status of a, of a demigod, um, there's consequences, and you know we've seen that across um, various you know areas of the uh, entertainment industry with uh, the Me Too movement and you know certain people being removed from uh, you know being in positions of influence. I uh, just read the article about you know, Steven Seagal's getting you know accused of uh, you know sexual assault, and so yeah. it's it's something that is uh, prevalent, and it's something that you know needs to be addressed. And you know it just this gives you a historical account and a, and a way for you to be able to be a part of the solution, uh, in my opinion. So I, I think people are going to really you know like it. And I think the other thing that's somewhat intriguing, um, and this is a little insight into human nature, we're always, you know, attracted to a certain degree to something that's just a little bit twisted, just a little bit off-key. And so I think, you know, maybe the best word is the scandal. And so because it is it is a scandal, I think people who who remember it vaguely are going to, you know, hear about it again through this film and say, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I, I, I would like to know more about that and, you know, how it went and, how how it was handled and, and all of those things. So uh, it, I'm pretty sure the film won't disappoint in that regard. Right on, right on. Well, we look forward to it. Um, I wanted to ask you, how can our listeners keep track of your projects and find out more about your company? Sure. Uh, well, the, the the easiest thing is probably just to uh, you know find me on Facebook, Devin T. Dawson, uh, or our company, Source Connect International, and then you can like and follow both of those, and, and that'll that'll give you a lot of information. Uh, my book is available on Amazon, uh, you, either by searching my name, Devin T. Dobson, or The Devil Can't Kill Me, and there's a link to our bio there. And then our website <clears throat> is mysourceconnect.com, so just like the company, just put a my in front of it. And, you know, we've got all of our reference information there as well. Um, you know, and as far as uh, speaking engagements, I do a lot of speaking engagements, and I do a lot of seminars and keynotes, you know, I'm I'm very easy to get. My cell phone number is five six one two eight one six zero nine nine. Got the same number I've had since West Palm Beach. So um, you know, I'm, 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 I make it easy to be found. Uh and uh, and then of course my, my email address is simply Devin at mysourceconnect dot because again, you know, we run everything through the company. So, you know, those are the best ways to, to find me and, and find out what's going on. Man, I love it, Devin. I love it. Um, I'm all out of questions, but I wanted to just uh, say thank you so much for joining us on today's show, and I wanted to open the floor to you if there's um, anything you'd like to say to our listening audience. Well, I think first and foremost, save the day for Saturday, April 7th. Uh, it's going to be a, a fantastic opportunity, not just because I'm in it, but I think it's an important story that needs to be told. Uh, but beyond that, I think it's important that, you know, you as a listener, as a viewer, just be introspective. Um, listen, listen to the God in you. Like, really pray and meditate on why he has you here. I think too often we can get into, you know, a very mundane, a very routine uh, way of doing things, and we stop looking for the purpose in our life. Um, there are so many people who are who would, who would just they would kill to switch places with a you know clear thinking able bodied person um, because they have so much to give and for whatever reason they're not in a position to do so. If you are in a position to do so, 
what are you doing with every day? How are you maximizing the opportunity? You know, what's your legacy going to be? Uh, and I think, you know, for me, of all the things that I've learned, um, being in situations where I truly felt um, that if I had done something differently, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be alive, it forces me to answer that question every single day. And so I would encourage you guys to do the same. You know, ask God why you're here. Why do you... Why did he bring you to the world? And, and ultimately, how does he want uh, his light to shine through you? Man, that's a, that's a really thought-provoking question uh, because, yeah, so many people have, um, yeah, they, they want to know why they're here. You know, you've got people that, that battle, you know, depression and um, so many other things. And it's, you know, that that's a, that's a question that a lot of people want to know. And, the fact that you um, you posed it and you encourage people to ask God, I think that that's really really commendable. Because, yeah, I think a, a lot of people suffer because they don't know who they are and whose they are. And so, uh, without those questions being answered, I mean, you really do sense the futility of life. And so, yeah, thank you for pointing that out because yeah, so many Absolutely. people de- definitely battle with that. Awesome. Well, Devin, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate the invitation, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more stuff to talk about here in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, you take care. Take care. Guys, guys, that was our exclusive interview with Devin Dobson. Uh, you can check out uh, the link to his website. We'll put it in the body of this post. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We're also available for iPhone users. If you have an iPhone, uh, you can uh, listen to this by downloading the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Uh, it's available for free in the iTunes store. Download the app, search for our show name, Predefined Indicata Culture. You'll hear this interview with Devin. Uh, we're also available for Android users. If you have an Android phone or an Android device, you can um, listen to us by going to the Google Play store. Search Google Play Music. Search for our show name. Uh, again, you'll hear this interview. Um, if you've got a Roku player or Roku smart television, uh, you can watch this interview right in the privacy of your own home. Uh, from the Roku channel store, just uh, search for our name. Uh, download the app. Once you download the app, uh, you can begin streaming all free of charge. Uh, lastly, we're available uh, for YouTube uh, and tune in. Um, if you've got a YouTube account or if you just want to go to YouTube, uh, just search for our name, Witten Radio. Uh, you'll be able to pull this interview up and you'll be able to watch it along with uh, several other interviews, um, and if you've got a newer model Chevrolet car uh, or just a newer, newer model car, um, we are available on TuneIn Radio. Uh, just from your car dashboard, um, link up your Apple Play, Apple Car Play, and look for the app TuneIn. Uh, once you launch the app, you can uh, search for our name, and you can uh, stream uh, over 200 plus hours of original content programming interviews right from your car. Oh.